Well, in just 48 hours maybe, something like that, we go charging into a new year. We say goodbye to the old and hello to the new. And when I was thinking about what to say this weekend, I had this thought about a title for these thoughts, and it's the game changer. When the new comes, sometimes a new thing shows up in our lives or in our world, and it just changes everything. This afternoon when you watch the Broncos, those of you who do, Peyton will throw a pass through, you know, he'll throw it 40 yards into an area the size of my head, you know, and we'll say, how did he do that? And the, and the commentator will say, that was a game changer. That throw was a game changer. Or there'll be a pick six. Somebody will grab it and go the other way, not his, the other guy, and, and they'll go the other way. And uh, we'll say, that was a game changer. A couple, three years ago on a January Wednesday evening, we had started a series here on the book of Acts. And a young businessman came that night with his two-year-old boy. He was a 30-something businessman who, in his early days, had been brought up in a congregation and had a heart for Jesus. But when he got to university, he sort of wandered into a far country, and he married, and he, he, he just sort of lost his way. And a few months before that January, he had sort of come to himself totally broken, but he hadn't come back to a congregation. And he, he walked in here that Wednesday night because he had just gone on the web and checked out churches at Fort Collins. And he, and he walked in here, and later that week had called me and said, uh, are you the, the older guy that was up there? I said, yes. And uh, somebody said of that threesome because it was, it was Brent and, and uh, Pastor Rob and me, and somebody said of that little trio, because we did that for some months, they said, you know, Brent's the, the really smart one, and Rob's the really practical one, and you're the guy who tells stories. You know, that's how they sort of describe that. But that, that Wednesday and the subsequent weeks and months was a game changer for my young friend. I'll tell you more about him in just a few moments. But think of the things in the last century, in the 20th century, that were game changers. How about the telephone? The telephone changed everything in culture and around the world, how we communicated with each other. What about the automobile? My mom was born in 1910. In 1910, there were 1,000 miles of paved road in the United States of America. And that year, Henry Ford built 10,000 Fords, all black. The automobile has changed everything. How about the airplane? About the same time, the first airliner, I think it was 1914, was a Russian airliner carrying passengers built by Sikorsky. In the 1950s, this thing came along called the credit card. Some of you are old enough to remember when you had an account at the grocery store or you had layaway plans. You, you, how, how many remember the layaway plans? Some of you said, well, I just saw that advertised on Walmart. They're coming back, those layaway plans. We learned to spend our future with the credit. It was a game changer. Birth control bill in the early 1960s set up what would be a sexual revolution in the 60s and 70s. In a lot of ways, some game changers are not great. Some are good. Some are mixed bag. How about laser technology, laser optics, personal computer, internet, cell phone, I read a quote from Thomas Watson, the head of IBM, who helped, who started IBM, who said, I see no reason why someone would need a computer in their home. <laughs> it, those were game changers. 
few years ago when I was in D.C., a congressman said, come over, I've got these three scientist guys who are going to talk about cultural issues. Come and sit in with us. I said, great. And these were real brainy guys. And so I went over to sit in, and the congressman had votes, so I was left in a room for two hours with three brilliant guys. I was a little nervous. One of them was Francis Collins, who was the director of the Human Genome Project. That's, he's the one who led the team that broke the DNA code, right? So he's smart. And then Armin Nikolai, who's a psychiatrist from Harvard who teaches a course every year at Harvard that's standing room only on the question of God, where he compares Sigmund Freud and C.S. Lewis, who were both atheists as young men, and then C.S. Lewis chose for Jesus. And then James Davison Hunter from University of Virginia, who's a sociologist who talks about cultural issues. And these two guys asked James Davison Hunter, and I thought this was a very interesting game changer, maybe the most fascinating. He said, what, they said, what did you think is the biggest game changer in the 20th century? And he said the GI Bill. The GI Bill was that program where guys who fought in the Second World War came back and could go to college or university free. Prior to World War II, 15% of all American males went to university and college. Eight million guys came back and went to school, and it changed everything in a lot of ways. Part of it was that when they went to school, they found in those universities no room for God. And they had watched their friends blown up on the Normandy beaches, and they were having that thought anyway. And for some of them, it set up things that happened later in the century because it affirmed something they were already feeling. Game changers. In the text of the New Testament, there are two words that are used for new, and sometimes they're very distinct from each other. One is neos, from which we get neonatal or new, and it means freshly minted or, you know, brand new. So you got a brand new bike. It's just, it's not like a used bike, it's brand new. That's neos. There's another word, kainos, that means new of a different kind or qualitatively different. When, when John the Revelator says in the book of Revelation, there was a new heavens and a new earth, that's a kainos, where it's a different kind of earth. When Jesus talks about wineskins, he says, you don't want to put new, neos, wine, in old wineskins, you need new of a different kind of wineskin to hold that. When Paul talks about how we are in our lives in Jesus, he says, you need to be transformed by the renewing of your mind, a mind of a different kind, not just a fresh mind, a mind that's qualitatively different. Or Jesus comes along and says, I'm going to give you a new commandment, John 13. He says, you need to love one another. Well, that wasn't new, but when he said, love one another as I have loved you, in that way, that's new. That's kainos. That's of a different kind. Those are all game changers. They're not new in time, but new in nature. God makes the first move in this new business. In John, the first chapter, I think 18 of my most favorite verses in Scripture are John 1, 1 through 18, where it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning, and through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. And you just heard Cameron reference that in the worship set. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world didn't get him. They didn't recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. 
a new deal. I'll make you a new kind of kid. If you receive me, I'll give you a whole fresh start. I'll give you a whole different way of seeing things. And you go on down and, and it says, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. You've heard me use this illustration before if you've been around Timberline. One of my favorite moments was when I opened up a youth magazine. I was a young pastor near the University of Illinois, and I opened up a youth magazine, and there was a centerfold, if you will, four-color spread of a naked baby just born, squalling on the page, umbilical cords still attached, and we say, oh, aren't those newborn babies cute? No, 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 they're scary. You know, they, when, when they come out, they got junk on them and they're purple and all, you know, and they're, and all, you know, it's just, so it's scary. You know, there's one right down here. How old is that one right there? Five weeks in the front row at church. Let's hear it for five weeks. Oh, don't scare her. But, the, you know, and, and I'm looking at this page and stamped across the bottom of the page in bold block letters, it says, Emmanuel, God with us. And I saw that, I said, no, 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 that, Jesus, that's not the way you came. You were born wrapped in swaddling clothes and all pristine. And no, 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 he came like we, he looked like we look, but it was a totally different kind of guy, a new, a kinos man. He, he came and brought to us a different way of thinking and seeing the world, and he did things that changed everything. The apostle Paul had one of those moments. He was called Saul, and, and he was the guy in town and in the country who put people like you and me in jail. He killed people like you and me. He was, a, he was an ancient terrorist. He just went, on the basis of God, in the name of God, he killed you. You know, not good. And on the way to Damascus from Jerusalem, somewhere up maybe east of Galilee on the Golan Heights, God just knocked him down with light. Do you know that you can be knocked down with light? You know, you get a heavy blast. Of, well, you know, if, if lightning ever struck near you, it about stops your heart. And he gets knocked down by light, and he's blinded for three days. You can read this in Acts 9. And, and when he regains his sight, he not only sees physically, but he sees spiritually in a totally new way. The old is gone, the new has come. And so he references this when he's writing to the church at Corinth years later. Now, the church at Corinth, Corinth is kind of a wild town. If you want to think deep thoughts and drive Bentleys, you go to Athens. If you want to get down and boogie and party, you go to Corinth. He's writing to those people, and this is what he says, 2 Corinthians 5, 16 through 21. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. I don't see him as the rabble-rousing carpenter rabbi from Nazareth. I don't see him that way anymore. I don't see him as a threat to the establishment in the way I saw him. He's a total threat to the establishment, but not in the same way. And then he says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Kainos, brand new of a different kind. The old is gone, the new has come. Game changer. All this is from God who reconciles us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. And it goes on, you get down to verse 21, and it says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Now, see, this is totally new. 
Here's, here's the thing where you, you do the crime, you do the time. I mean, that's what we talk about. Jesus comes along and says, you do the crime, I'll do the time. Totally new, totally different. He says, let's, let's make a deal. This was before the TV show. Why don't you give me all your junk and I'll give you all my glory? Why don't you give me all your pain and all the bad choices and all the ways you've gone down roads that have messed up your life and perhaps others and why don't you give me all that and i'll give you my way i'll give you my grace and my joy and my glory when you're in me you become a totally new person you talk about a game changer if that statement is true that in christ i'm a new creation if that's true that's unbelievable i mean i want to believe it but that's that's crazy in my limited way of thinking, but in his way of thinking, it's like natural. If anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. There's a musician who ran into this 270 years ago in 1741, a musician by the name of George Frederick Handel. He wrote scores for oratorios and things like that. He was in debt. He was depressed, he was discouraged, and he walked into his home one day, and someone had sent him some lyrics, or what they call a libretto, for some words, and it was focused on the person of Jesus. And George Frederick Handel, who was a German living in England, sat down and wrote what we know as the Messiah in 24 days. And as part of the Messiah, he, he wrote this thing that he called the Hallelujah, which we have come to call the Hallelujah Chorus. And, and when his assistant found him after he finished the Hallelujah Chorus, he found Handel weeping, saying, I have seen the face of God. When you see the face of God, you are a whole new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. And whenever you hear the Hallelujah Chorus, it makes, just, it makes what little hair I have stand up, you know. It's, it's just, and I thought it would be great if we could just hear the last 33 seconds of the Hallelujah Chorus just to make the point. Hit it, boys. and clap for that if you want. When you see the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, it's a game changer. I'm a new creation when I'm in Christ. Point one on the back of your bulletin. When the new comes, my perspective is changed. Paul says, I no longer see from a worldly point of view. I was thinking about this a while back and you know, we say this is the natural world, and when God shows up, it's the supernatural world. What if his is the natural world, and I'm living in a subnatural world? How about that? How about if I saw it that way? And if he wants me to live in his natural world, what if C.S. Lewis's view is right when he says, if you read history, you will find that the believers who did most for the present world were precisely those who thought most of the next world those who did the most for this world were those who thought most of the next world you know when i'm a kid i have this size view 
I got my bed, then I got my room. You know that moment when the little guy climbs out of the crib and goes whack down on the floor and he's discovered a whole new world out there. I love that commercial. I forget what company. It's about the little kid in the crib who has the iPod or iPad under and he's doing... Those are tremendous commercials. He's like in a different world. Anyway, that's... I'm beside the point. But the, but the, but the point is... My world goes from my bedroom to the playroom to my house to my yard, and then it's the neighborhood, you know, and, and you get to be four and five, and you can't cross the street, but you wander the neighborhood in marauding bands of four and five-year-olds, you know. You, and you're, so when you're small, you have this world, and as you mature and grow, you have this world. And Jesus says, why don't you step into me, and you can go from this to this, like that. You learn to think in different ways. Philippians 3 says it this way, verse 7. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. Here is Paul. Here's, here's a guy who was a big guy in his culture. And he, he threw it all over. He said, all that stuff, I consider loss. I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. What a line. All the stuff I've done, and before these verses, he's listed his pedigree. I'm from this tribe, the tribe of Benjamin. I've been a really good guy. I'm perfect concerning the law. I mean, he's a little arrogant, but I mean, he's got the whole thing going. And he says, all of that I consider garbage. I have a friend who's with the Lord now, David Irwin, many years a missionary in Egypt and in Malawi. Killed in an auto accident at age 53. <clears throat> At his memorial service, three guys spoke, and one of them had gone through his files. And David was an educator. He loved learning. He loved formal education. He had a bachelor's degrees, th degree, three master's degrees, and was working on a Ph.D. at the ripe old age of 53. He just loved learning. And my friend, going through his files, found a file that had as the tab on it, it said Dung, D-U-N-G. And he took it out and opened it up, and there were all of his diplomas for all of his graduate degrees in there. It isn't that he didn't like that. He loved that. All he was saying was, that only gets me so far. It doesn't take me to this other place. So I consider that in this way compared to the other things. Point two, when the new comes, my passion is intensified. <clears throat> Listen to how Paul says it again. Philippians 3.10, I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. I want to know Christ. You get this intensity. You get this, you know, people who are passionate take you, take them, a person who is passionate takes you with him. There is something about passion that is profound. It, if I had my cell phone with me this morning, I'd just hold it up and say this to you. Jesus Christ is not an app that you can download for $3.99 and use them when you want to. He says, you get me and you're in me. You play by my game plan, not by yours. I'm the coach. I'm the player coach all at the same time. When I get Jesus, I don't tweak my life. When I get Jesus, when I stepped into Christ, I'm not adjusting my values. He's not just value-added. He is not an accessory. He is the ultimate operating system. He is the platform for everything else that happens. You watch that happens in people, that happen in people's lives 
back when I was this younger pastor with dark hair um, at the University of Illinois back in the 70s. And I reference this a lot, the 70s a lot, because those were dynamic times in our country. And I was that age. I was 20-something. And man, it was just crazy and wild and good and bad all at the same time. And Bill was a guy with hair about down to here who sat on the front row. And, and he would come... He came every year for two years and sat in the front row. And the reason he came was that the guy who sold him dope had come to the Lord and started coming to this church where we were. And, and, and the guy who sold Bill dope invited Bill's girlfriend to come with him. So Bill needed to hang with his girlfriend just to keep tabs, you know, because he didn't know. And so there they were. And Bill had grown up in a background where... Church ended right at 12 o'clock. And at that time, we only had one service in our congregation. And sometimes I went till 1230. And so, he, and, and so Bill sat for two years there and never gave his heart to Jesus. And I preached everything I knew. I, you know, I was working at it, and Bill was there. Never gave his heart to Jesus. And at 12, he would just stand up and leave because that's when it was supposed to be over. <laughs> and even if I wasn't done, he was. And he told me later, Take me two, it took me two years to come to Jesus because you always gave the invitation at the end of your talk, and I, I missed that, you know. He was working on a master's in electrical engineering. He was designing an electric car, and some of his work is being used now in GM products around the country. But the fact is that when he committed to Jesus, all of a sudden he caught a different vision for him. Some folks stay as electrical engineers and they're committed. To, but for him, he's worked in the Balkans for the last 40 years in university work. When the new comes, my passion is intensified. When the new comes, my pursuits are transformed. Philippians 3.12, not that I've already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Listen to how he says it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, the old is gone, straining toward what's ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. My pursuits are transformed, very close to passion being intensified, but it's just, it, it, I have this intensity about me. Number four, in Christ, I am a new creation. If you don't hear anything else this morning, hear this. In Christ, I am a new creation. In Christ, I'm a new creation. What about this response if you were walking down the hall or down the road and somebody says, how are you? And you say, I'm in Christ. Somebody says, where are you going? Well, I'm going into Christ. You say, that sounds kind of cheesy, a little weird there, but the fact, these people are okay. They're just my friends, so don't get nervous <laughs> that they're walking up here. The fact is, when I know where I stand, when I know where I belong, when I know what I'm created for, I'm grateful, and it makes me want more. It makes me salivate to know his glory and power and joy and peace more. These are three friends. Actually, they're three relatives. Ruth and I had the privilege of having our whole gang here for the last few days. There are 21 of us crammed into our house, 11 grandkids from 21 to age three, and... Um, our eldest daughter, Erica, from Eugene, Oregon, this fella here, Van, came almost 25 years ago and said, is it okay if I could have her? And I said, well, it's big money, but you can... And so 
Van and Erica pastor in Eugene, Oregon. And Susanna's our third daughter. We have four children, three girls and a, a boy. The boy's the youngest. And Susanna's our third daughter. And um, they sing. And I said, why don't you help me make this point? Because sometimes music drives home a point in a way that words like this and can't. And there's this wonderful song called Seekers of Your Heart. And I'd like you just to open your heart and listen as they sing. somebody grow in Christ it can be mesmerizing I used to watch them fight in the back seat of the station wagon <laughs> to hear them sing makes me weep that young business guy who walked in a couple of years ago connected with a couple other business guys and started reading the word and got back into coming and being a part And he called two or three weeks ago and said, could you come meet with my friends, a couple of business guys here? These are young entrepreneurs. These are, these are not weird guys. These are cool guys. And he sent me an email afterwards just with a little thank you note. And it had a couple of paragraphs. And I called him and I said, I'm going to speak in a couple of weeks. Can I read what you wrote? He said, absolutely. This is what he wrote on the basis of the game-changing kainos moments in his life. I wanted to share that everything is different with God. Everything. My wife and I will pray going into weekends, praying for a kingdom weekend, and God gives them. They're phenomenal. The peace that enters when you haven't had it is just so good. We pray now for a kingdom life. In God, I can rest, and obscurity is fine. I'm okay in that as long as I walk with God. The God stories in my life are daily, the unceasing joy, the restfulness, my friendships, my marriage, my life. Finding life in Christ is the single most freeing thing a man can ever find. It's interesting about intentionality. A business friend and I are very intentional. We pray almost every morning and afternoon together. It's crazy what has come from that. This is like a 33-year-old guy talking here. The prayers my wife and I pray have such impact. The realness of God is, well, amazing. Anyway, it's hard to contain it. You can say that again. When you step into Christ and he comes in, I don't know how all that works, but when you are in Christ, it's hard to contain it. Why don't you share that verse with me out loud? It's going to be on the screen. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. Let's say it again. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this moment. Thank you for this day, this weekend, these friends. With our heads bowed and no one looking for just a moment, some of you say, some of us here are saying, you know, 
I used to, I used to have the experiences that guy you just read about, that kid you just read. I call him a kid because he's only 33. That, that used to be like somehow the new has worn off, but I'd like a fresh baptism of that newness, that kainos. And I'd like you to include me in your closing prayer, Pastor Dick. You just slip up your hand and say, include me in that prayer. Yes, scores of us. Yep, I see you. Yep, you can put your hands down. Thank you. Some of us here this morning are saying, I've never had a new life. I've got a crummy old one, and I want a new one. I want Jesus in my life, and I'd like to be in him. I don't understand it all. No, you don't, and you won't through your whole life, but you'll understand enough. And you just slip up your hand and say, I'd like a new life, and I'd like you to pray for me as you close this. You just slip your hand up. Just, yes, I see your hand. Yes, 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 you can put your hand down. Anyone else waiting just a moment? Just slip your hand up and say, include me. Yes, ma'am. Include me in that prayer. Father, thank you for these friends who have said, I need a, a baptism of newness. I want to really engage the fact that I'm in Christ, not just have it be language. And for these who slipped up a hand to say, I need new life. Altogether, I've never experienced Jesus. Just as I pray, let them pray. Father, I give my life to you. I want Jesus in my life, and I want to be in him. Take away my sin and make me a new guy, new woman. Take my history and give me a future. I take the first step this morning in Jesus' name. And in Jesus' name, we pray these things. And everyone said, amen. What a great day. And we get to worship with our giving. Our ushers are coming to pass the plates. If you're a guest here this morning, please don't put anything in the plate except perhaps that little white communication card. And um, this is a chance for us to participate in the kingdom, in the things that happen around the world in your giving. Van and the band are gonna sing a song and this is really the closing point, the song. Sometimes you put something to music and it just does this to the point, like that. That's what this song does. So consider the offering blessed or prayed over. And uh, as it goes by, you can stand and join and sing. I, you're going to like this. but I like that better. I got to tell you, to be up here and to see you with your faces lighted up, if it were, some of you with hands up, some of you little of this, some of you saying, I can't quite go there, but we're good. You know? Fantastic. If you raised your hand and said, I need a new life. I just need a new one. Get rid of the old, give me a new track. We'd like to help you with that. There's a packet available on either side of the platform in a guest services that's for you. On your way out, just grab one of those. It'll give you first steps going forward. What a fantastic way to end 2012 and start 2013. In Christ, we are new creations. The old is gone, the new has come, and now the benediction. The good word. As you go blasting into 2013, you are in Christ, new creations. You go in his power 
and his grace and his glory and his goodness, his joy, his peace, his restfulness. My prayer for you in the coming year is that somewhere along the way, somebody will walk up to you and tug on your coat, ma'am or sir, and say, excuse me, there seems to be something different about you. Could you, like, talk to me about that? May the grace of God go with you. The service begins now.